Thank you very much, and thanks as always for everyone who um, who's joining us um, on this call. My name is Blake Rutherford, and, and as always, um, I'm joined here by Mark Alderman, the chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, and Howard Schweitzer, the managing partner of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Mark Howard, great to be with you. Um, pleased to uh, to welcome one of the two members of our uh, crack team of interns as well as with us today to fact check me, um, which is which is a, an extraordinary task. That's an extraordinary task. Um, this is the the second in in what is kind of a, a revamp series for us, focusing on the midterm elections. Um, since our last call, we've had more primaries, um, more of uh, the congressional races are coming into focus today. Though I want to, I want to spend some time on the Senate. Um, we talked about the House a little bit uh, last week, and I, I want to spend some time in the Senate because um, not only do do we have a bit of a different dynamic in terms of of the challenges for the Democratic Party, um, but also we're we're starting to get some data around where the electorate is and what these states really look like. So, Mark Howard, that's, that's sort of the framework for, for our discussion um, today. Howard, I want to I start with you. I mean, one thing that we've been hearing about the Senate all along, I mean, as, as, as far back as even before 2016, is the map is terrible for the Democrats. Um, just too many states uh, that are Trump states that Democrats have to defend. Um, and that narrative sort of continued to build. I mean, these that uh, that in some ways is is factually accurate. The question is, is it going to be politically accurate? Um, so, Howard, I, I want to start just kind of with your thoughts on the map generally, um, and then we'll drill down to some specific stuff. Um, but what's your thinking now? I mean, we've we're beyond Memorial Day. Um, we are taking turn into summer. What, what are you thinking about this map? I I, I think. Well, clearly, if you just look at the, the top line statistics from 2016, it favors, the, it favors the Republicans because you've got states like West Virginia where Joe Manchin is the incumbent Democrat, but Trump won the state by 41 points. So, I mean, you've got that out there. At the same time, I think the D's have some strong candidates up like a mansion he's a strong candidate he's a respected member of the senate he has not gone hard left um under under trump and he's got a lot of support and so it's a significant mountain candidates have to climb but you've really got to drill down to the specifics and also things have changed you know tennessee and arizona for example two states where you have Republicans that have decided to leave the Senate are states that could go either way. They're generally listed as toss-up states, so I think that's evened out the map a bit, Blake. Um, you know, I, I think you've got to look, you've got to go race by race and, and look at who's running and what the local dynamics are, and, and I think it's not as favorable for the Republicans net-net as, as, it, as it once was. Mark, you're 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 not as you're not as bullish on this map for the Democrats, um, and and I want to yeah. explore why that is. But but before before we do talk about some of the races that Howard Howard mentioned, um, uh, you know what 
you see this map not particularly favorable for the Democrats. Well, it's not to steal your headline. Just arithmetic. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> just simply that there are <clears throat> twenty-five Democrats, twenty-three Democrats, two independents who caucus with the Democrats, uh, King and, and Sanders. There are twenty-five Democrats and eight Republicans. So set aside everything Howard said, most of which I do agree with, it's just too hard. There are 25 of us and eight of them, and we're behind by two already. So taking the Senate seems to me to be just a bridge too far. I am looking at a, a net loss of a seat or two, I hope. I think, I think it'll be a good midterm for Democrats in the Senate if we come out of it anywhere close to where we are now. You know, it's interesting, Howard, because you mentioned West Virginia, where a new poll out has Joe Manchin up 13 um, over the state AG, Patrick yeah, Morrissey. Morrissey, yeah. Um, He's a strong candidate. Yeah, strong candidate, right? Um, Ohio, Sherrod Brown up 17 points. Um, and I mean, the NRSC almost not even considering Ohio to be much in play for them. Um, North Dakota, where Donald Trump is not, at this point, not campaigning against Heidi Heitkamp. Well, um, he did tweet against her. Did he tweet against her? Okay, yes, maybe as much. Yesterday, you're... This okay, is the world we live in. Yeah, well, Mark well, Sanford said the tweet beat him, not anything One else. One so. makes a difference. Yeah. He congratulated yeah. her opponent and took a shot at her because she voted against the tax That's cut. for yeah. sure, though, because he's done some things that are going to negatively impact the Republican candidate come, come the fall. Yeah. yeah. The tariffs yeah. hurt but, but just agriculture, at, which hurts... Again, we want to come back to these individual races because they're real interesting. But just look at what we just said. We just said, wow, Democrats have a great chance of not losing those three seats. Well, but that's, but I'm the, saying, well, that's we're gonna, the problem with the map. Yeah, but, but, but we're going to get into we're going to get into to where that that turn takes yeah. us in a minute. The yeah. last race, I did want to I did just want to highlight some general polling, and then I want to get into some national yeah. polling that we've yeah. seen, and, and then we'll come back to these races. Because I, I think that it's presenting a dynamic that potentially, you know, in, in a close race, the tie might actually go to the Democrats. And so the last one was Claire McCaskill, who's, who right now is up four in Missouri, um, and, and someone that we've talked to about her race. Yeah. Uh, I've talked to a lot of these folks about their races, but but recently, um, and, and, and Trump this, tweeted against her yesterday. Yeah, too. yeah. Well, the NRSC, the NRSC came out and, and said Indiana, Florida, which really, really tough for the Democrats. Uh, North, both. Da North Dakota, both tough. Yeah, and um, Indiana, Florida, North Dakota, and and Missouri were were really kind of in their first tier. Um, but before I before I get back to those races and then some others, including your friend Bob Casey, Mark, I, NBC and Wall Street Journal came out with a came out with a national poll earlier this week. Gives a generic ballot advantage to the Democrats plus ten um, it, for a candidate who will be a check on Trump. It's thirty six. Um, no, I'm sorry. It right direction, wrong direction of the country. Thirty six fifty five. Um, uh, something we always look at 
Uh, D versus R, interest in the election. 63% among Democrats, only 47% among Republicans. Um, and 53% of, of those polled said, let's give somebody new a chance, which kind of breaks both ways. But I think the question is interpreted as, as in a Republican, let's, let's give um, a Democrat a chance. GW came out with a poll, Howard, you're alma mater, that, that has 78% of registered voters saying they're going to vote in this election. Um, so participation is, um, you know, is there, and you are seeing a lot of people who are more than likely to support a candidate who will be a check on, on Donald Trump. So that's kind of a state of play. It's one poll, but... No, it, but I, I think the numbers you cited that to me mean the most, Senate, House, governors, mm -hmm. state legislatures, yeah. and in the intensity factor. Yeah. There is no poll anywhere, even Rasmussen, right. that has Republican intensity anywhere near it's minus Democratic. minus 15, yeah. if you look at the... It, yeah. It is, or worse, there are 66, 33 polls out there. It, and that, that, with a footnote, which we've discussed in here, which is that the Democrats got to sort out this Bernie thing and some other issues inside the tent. But that intensity factor is, I think, the story of the midterms. And, and that will matter on the Senate map. Probably, but also Trump's approval ratings are better than they were two months yeah, ago. Up five points. Meaningfully better. Mm -hmm. And that's before North Korea and we'll see how those impact the numbers. I think they're they're going up for him. And the economy's humming along. Yeah. Um, so which you know it's, uh, that I mean normally it's a recipe for for absolute success if you talk about despite all the 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 uniqueness of the midterms. I mean if you got an economy going in the right direction and people feeling like you know they they are doing better. You brought some tax more relief secure. to folks. Yeah, more secure than. Um, you know, you think about it, but that's just not the not the state of play. So, I mean, where do we want to begin? I mean, there are, I mean, God, we could talk about so many races. Uh, you know, the uh, the the one that that uh, Mark, I guess we could begin with your home state. I mean, uh, you know, I'm I, I'm intrigued by Indiana. I can't I can't say that that this one is has been particularly encouraging for for the Democrats, but Donnelly's hanging in there. I mean, last couple of polls show him, show essentially that race tied. It's um, a toss-up, I think. I think it's R plus one, is yeah. what I yeah. saw. Yeah, yeah. It's, right, it's, it's a margin the margin of error. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. I mean, it's yeah. a margin of error race. Yeah, India I mean, is a red yeah. state. Right, I mean, I mean, our, our colleague had some... <laughs> You know, it was we've seen what happened in 2016 in that yeah. race, and um, Trump won by 19, and yeah. Romney won by 10. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's solidly red. Donnelly's a good senator. He's he's I think liked by he's he's well liked. Um, See, I think Indiana's a state where the could go either way. where the intensity factor is going to be the tipping point if materially more Democrats than Republicans show up, I think Joe Donnelly can keep his job. If it's a split, sure. if it's a push, he's in a lot of trouble. Yeah. 
there are a number of people on this map who are par popular enough that in a favorable turnout election they can keep their job. I, I think he, I think he's losing. I think he's going to lose. And don't forget about the vice president. Yeah. And yeah. his connectivity back home and yeah. his so, ability to move the needle for the Republican very, very candidate. I like Joe Donnelly, which is totally irrelevant, by the way. But <laughs> well, you don't have a vote. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I think he's going to lose. But tell me then, please, I don't mean to usurp the prerogative of the moderator. It, ha it happens so every time. You apologize it? for it, but it happens every time. Sure, but we got a few <laughs> minutes into the call. <laughs> sure, we? sure we did. So, Howard, wh where is it that... Democrats are going to pick up two seats here. Well, if you take Donnelly off the map, I think so. Now, now it's fifty-two forty-eight. Well, look at Tennessee. I don't think that Marsha Blackburn is the strongest candidate in the world for the for the R's, um, and she's got a ton of support from Trump because he was she was very she backed him early and often. Um, but I just don't think she's a particularly strong candidate, and I think you got to look down at that level in order to figure out what's going to happen. So I think that could be, that's one of those states, it could be in Alabama. Could be. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you look at, I mean, and, and let's talk about the don't forget, candidate. Yeah. Don't forget a Democrat won a United States Senate seat, albeit under extraordinarily yeah. unusual circumstances <clears throat> she's bad the united states senate seat in alabama she's Mark. bad she's not that bad i, I just want to <laughs> be sure we all understand one thing i'm rooting for the democrats here <laughs> so i'm looking to be convinced i'm hoping yeah. to be convinced well, I, I, and it could happen i Okay. I mean, look, you've okay. got a, you got a former governor, Phil Bredesen, running, and and I know what everybody says about former this, former that. There are just as many winners as losers. I mean, see what happens. But if you think about if you think about someone who would be positioned perfectly to win in that dynamic, Democrats couldn't have nominated a better right. candidate. So we're going to so we're going to continue the role reversal here. Here, Blake, I'm going to play moderator. You're from a, a bordering state. I am you from share the Mississippi state. River. With, yeah, yeah. With Tennessee, what what does that race look like to you? Well, I, I, that's an interesting question. I I think that because I think now, I think in in the era of Trump, we've nationalized so much of so many races like this. I mean, Obama did to a certain extent too, Mark. I mean, or I say more so Obamacare did. But I think in this race, I mean, the, I mean, the Democrats have the matchup they want. Um, I mean, what is it, a three-point race at, at best probably? But that, again, if, you, if, the, if, the, if the Mark Alderman maxim holds true that, in, that enthusiasm and and turnout is going to drive up um, democratic performance. The tie is going to go to the Democrat, I think. And I think there's, I think Tennessee. If you look at, if you look at, you know, the growth in Nashville. If you look at where Memphis is. If you look at where your where your population centers are. If Again, it's going to be an, an urban versus right. rural right. dynamic Everywhere. in the same way that Everywhere. Pennsylvania is. And so I think in, in that regard, it's there's been, I mean, t 
Tennessee's been on a has been trending. Whether it's there, this race will tell us. Right. Right. So, so that's good. a thought. I mean, it's it's farther yeah. along in terms of a Democrat being able to win statewide than Arkansas is. Look, look at Arizona. There's another one. Right. Romney won Arizona by nine points. Trump only won Arizona by three points. Right. You've got a vacated seat there. Two yeah, good the candidates. Candidates. Two good candidates. Two yeah, candidates. this is a Jeff Flake so, seat. Right. right. That's so, what I wanted everybody on the call to know what we were talking about. Right. And it, I think it's possible that it could flip. Uh, so again, right there, I mean, Nevada. Again, I'm, both yeah. of those results work for me. I'm, yeah. Nevada. Mark, everybody, don't worry. Everybody <laughs> on the call knows yeah. where you are. Yeah. You, no, nobody's going to think you've, you've gone to the other side. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. You're fine. You got Our your vast listening on. You got you, so you got your tonal blues on today. Right. You're you're sure we did. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Nevada. Um, got the memo. Nevada is a pickup opportunity. Yeah. Clearly, Jackie Rosen, great candidate. Yeah, for the Democrats and um, and an incumbent who's had uh, you know had some tricky. Some of those votes were really tough yeah. on Heller, um, and that's. Uh, you know that's a that's a race where where the Democrats are poised to. I mean, people feel good about people feel good about Nevada for the Democrats. It's a it's a it's a Hillary state. Um, you well, still have and when you Reid is still very active. Those votes, uh, the health care votes. Yeah, it's, right. I think what you you primarily refer right. to, which which kind of underscores something we've discussed in the past calls here. That, that health care issue is part of what's driving the intensity. I think that in a state like Nevada especially, uh, if she is out there ringing that health care bell, as, as Representative Rosen will be, uh, yeah, that, that puts Heller in, in some trouble, especially with the Republican Party of which he is a member on mm -hmm. whose ticket he is running, going every day hard the other way still on health care. Well, and that's what I was going to, I was going to say, and it's a, it's a nice segue into the issue because now we're seeing the administration, you know, taking, taking aim at pre-existing conditions, which is a, a curious political strategy. Um, to, to say nothing of, I think, bad policy, but be that as it may, we know this administration really does not like the Affordable Care Act and is is certainly trying every which way to dismantle it. Um, and they didn't find success in, in Congress, so they're, they're looking at other avenues. Um, but healthcare, Mark, is such a, well, such an important issue to the electorate in this election, I mean, right. every poll, even, even you know, Rasmussen will tell you it's the number it's the number one issue, um, and Republicans don't win on it. So I'm curious. I mean, what help me understand the thinking here? You're supposed I'm, to ask I'm, I'm asking questions. I mean, I mean, I'm a, I'm a step slower, so you guys well, gotta, just, you guys gotta help me out. Let's just. Frame, if we may, what has happened for our, our listening audience. The Trump administration, through its Justice Department, has announced that it will no longer defend the Affordable Care Act in any litigation in any federal court in the United States. And that happened in particular in a case 
in Texas brought by, I believe, 20 state attorneys general, challenging the entirety of the Affordable Care Act, not just the pre-existing condition, on the grounds that with the repeal of the individual mandate, which came in the Tax Act at the end of last year, that pulled the plug on, on the Affordable Care Act. So you have Republicans, the Republican administration, announcing we will not enforce the law of the land. We want the entirety of the Affordable Care Act gone. That is pre-existing conditions. Mm -hmm. That's Medicaid expansion. Yeah. With, I believe the number is 14 million people enrolled under the expansion. It's, it's a, a big deal if the Democrats can articulate it and, and drive it home. Yeah, I mean, I you know I posted on on Twitter, you know earlier when when that decision came out. It just seems it seems nonsensical for every Democrat running, no matter where they're running and what they're running for. I'm talking about governor, Congress, yeah, yeah. Senate, to to just not hammer health care as as the driving issue. Um, but I mean, those are a couple of races. The other thing, you know, Howard, I want to point out is, you know, it's always a resource game, and. It, you know, our, our, our flip-flopper over here, you know, Alderman, is, is not optimistic, but, but the Democrats aren't going to have to spend money in places where they thought they might. Pennsylvania right. being one, Virginia being another. Um, I mean, the NRSC has come out and said we're not supporting our own candidate, right. Virginia. So, Well, Virginia, uh, I'm sorry, I'm no, go ahead, Mark. I know, but may I just say that Virginia was a great result for Democrats, not because Tim Kaine was handed a white supremacist opponent. He didn't need it, although he'll take it. Yeah. He should be okay. Right. But that has the potential to flip some of the House races. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, was last week's call, but that, right. that is consequential. That guy, well, enough said. Yeah. His own party isn't supporting Right, right. I believe the president is. Yeah. That's today. 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 Or yesterday. Right. We don't know today. Right. We don't know. Um, but, you know, Wisconsin at, at one I mean, coming after 2016, but now we're starting to see that race um, really tilt in favor of the incumbents. So... Uh, which brings me to um, a race, and in some ways, I, I suppose I'm going to argue against my own conclusion because this brings us to Florida, um, where it is uh, Bill Nelson, the Democratic incumbent, up against Rick Scott, the governor who's got endless resources to pour into into that race. I mean, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars that could come just from him to say nothing of what else will, will flood into Florida. Howard, what do you what do you make of that? That's that's a race that just, you know is right now all of a sudden and you know the very top of my, my yeah. watch list. I think his incumbency that I Nelson's incumbency right. gives him no advantage. Yeah. I think that's neutralized. You've got a sitting governor against and a incumbent. sitting United States senator. It's incumbent versus incumbent. Right. Uh, yeah. And Scott, notwithstanding the fact that he's the governor, still 
runs still positions himself as an outsider I think in an environment that favors outsiders yeah Mark what do you think about Florida I mean you got you got family down there what are they telling you Florida's uh, a toss-up trending the wrong way it's a toss-up trending R it it that that resource gap is is very troubling. Significant. The idea that a self-funder could put three hundred million dollars of his own money on top of the rest of what's been raised in a close race is an obvious it's a, advantage. It's not about the money. It's about the candidates. Well, both good candidates though. Both candidates who've won statewide before but Bill Nelson Bill Nelson isn't favored let's start there you know I wonder too I've been thinking about this and I don't think we necessarily we know yet but you know what impact the the very sad situation in Puerto Rico um, will have on that race Um, well that's what I was going to say yeah it if you see just over-the-top Democratic turnout and good but not Hall of Fame Republican turnout. It's the story that we were talking about as a theme before. That's Nelson's salvation here. His salvation is just historic Democratic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it, but there are also factors like Florida came through the hurricanes last year extraordinarily well. And part of that was luck. But part of it was that they did a good job in being prepared for the hurricanes. And people don't forget stuff like that. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's... I think that's and that favors Scott. Yeah, right. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's a good point. So I mean, my, my count, I'm keeping score here. Yeah. So my count is uh, we pick up Tennessee, pick up Nevada, pick up Arizona, maybe, maybe. But we've already taken away Joe Donnelly's job. We're taking away Bill Nelson's job. So that's plus one. Plus one. That's 50-50, which, by the way, is not control. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Is control. It's continued Republican control. Right. There... There's some other, I just don't see the pickup opportunities. I think a lot of our incumbents are in pretty good shape. Bob Casey, you mentioned Pennsylvania. Yeah, right. Bob Casey's going to keep his job. Mm -hmm. Look, some of, I think you have to look nationally at this point because some of these races are just really going local. You've had primaries going on. Right. So take West Virginia, for example, where... um, Mansion obviously is the the D, but you had a very tough Republican primary that Patrick Morrissey emerged from. But he hasn't really started running. I mean, he's been running against <laughs> Democrats the whole time on some level, but uh, but he's really now just getting to the point where he's running against Mansion, and and we'll see. I don't. So I don't think we. I don't think we know yet. And I. I just need you, and again, we, I'm, I'm not going to repeat again. Uh, I'm rooting for it. But tell me the other Republicans. Tell me the seat that, that we can pick up. 
maybe, maybe Tennessee, maybe, maybe Arizona. I think actually Nevada. That leaves Texas, Mississippi, Utah, Nebraska, and Wyoming. Look, I, I definitely think it's, a, it's an uphill map. Yeah. But I also think, look, look at, um, this is going to be a little bit of a departure from the conversation, but look at Massachusetts and uh, Maryland, my home state. Two states where you've got sitting Republican governors up for re-election with extraordinarily strong support in extraordinarily blue states. Yep. I, I think the particular individuals and the quality of their campaigns, you've said it a thousand times, Mark, Please candidates matter. So it's not as simple as, well, in North Dakota, Trump was plus 36 and it's just not that simple. No, but that's my my point. Uh, I'm just taking them one at a time. Mitt Romney is going to the Senate yes. from Utah because yep. he's Mitt Romney and he's running in Utah and I'm not even sure who we're running against him. It doesn't matter. Uh, Ted Cruz, I'd be delighted for him to be retired. <laughs> but picking up Texas is something we say every cycle is just around the just corner. Just around the corner. Yeah, I don't think this is the corner. Right. Yeah. Although, you know, it's funny with that race because you know, not the Democratic, not Yeah, I mean, not unthinkable. Uh, polling right now is kind of, uh, at one point, seemed to be getting a little too close for comfort for Cruz, but he seems to have, uh, have kind of created a bit, a bit more space. But the Democratic candidates raised a lot of money. Um, and you, you know, it in an in in an ex, an enthusiasm gap of of a considerable margin. Um, you know, again, who knows? I mean, I I think you know there is there is the. I mean, Howard raised it. I mean, you had you had a natural disaster in Houston, um, and you've got. You know, you do have, you know, in in more urban areas in Texas, they're used to voting for Democrats. But then the 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 thing we also always talk about is, you know, fun trivia. When was the last time a Democrat won statewide in Texas? Um, and uh, and Richard, uh, yeah, maybe? I think yeah, that's that's exactly time. who it was. Yeah. And it's been a a while. And to your point, Mark, it's kind of like. What we keep hearing about Georgia too is it's boy it's right around the corner. Right. I mean, Hillary Clinton sinking resources into Arizona, Arizona. Texas, and okay. Georgia. I mean, just Arizona. give me a break, Arizona. Yeah, give me a break. We're not going to go to Wisconsin, but whew, we're going to go get some. Right. We're going to go steal Arizona. Yeah. You know, so I, I think again, I do think some of that is is aspirational thinking on the part of the Democrats. But I, the, the only thing I would say about, about Texas is a race, you know, a race to what Cruz is known quantity, but he's also a polarizing figure. Democrats gonna have the money to spend. If he spends it right, you know, maybe maybe you, you get real lucky, but but otherwise, Mark, no, I mean I think I think the I think the map is if the Democrats can hold all but all but one and steal those three, then um, are we still tied at that point? That's the uh, yeah. 50-50. That's fifty-fifty. Yeah. So they got to hold everything. 
Um, and I, I mean, again, you talk about you know where the pickup opportunities. I think, I think in in that reality with with Tennessee coming into play with Nevada looking good for the Democrats, if they can concentrate their resources, so they don't end up having to spend as much money on in certain places, and they could get lucky. I, I hate to say that for Senator Nelson, no. but that's kind of what it it seems like in down there is that's. They're going to need a little bit of luck. But by the way, fifty-fifty uh, is an enormous victory for the Democratic Party. I would say for the country, because it's really hard to do business with fifty-fifty. That leaves it zero margin for error. Right. We saw with fifty-one forty-nine that that margin for error saved. Mm-hmm. The Affordable Care Act. Yeah. So 50-50 would be a huge win, uh, especially if the House flips. Right. Except I think there's the potential. <laughs> I know what you're going to say in response to this, Mark, but there's the potential to lose by winning because what Trump is doing, I think, on a lot of levels is positioning himself for 2020 and he his the positions he's taking the support he's giving Pete I don't think he cares that much about what happens in 2018 I think he cares a lot more about what happens in 2020 and frankly I think he may prefer to run notwithstanding subpoenas that will start flying but he may prefer to run against the Democratic a tighter margin or a, a a democratically controlled Congress, at least one one of the chambers, than than against um, a Republican-controlled Congress. And I think you just have, I think everybody has to look at through that lens in terms of the positions he's taking and what he's doing. Well, it's it's funny too. Yeah. The, other, the other thing I'm curious, I'd be curious to see, um, it is if if Trump, the deal maker. If the Republicans slide back, you know he's he's un, he as he as he noted in uh, in in his press conference, he's he's not willing to ever admit that he's wrong. And so um, this will this will absolutely be you know someone else's fault. And does it does it put Trump in a position to start dealing with Chuck Schumer? Does he yeah. decide? Let's just you know I'm not saying it, I'm not saying yeah. it happens, but by all accounts, I mean I mean. People inside, you know, that swirl say that when these two guys are together, Trump gravitates to him, and he's comfortable with him. And whether that's the New Yorker thing, whether it's it's something else, but there's a there's a rapport there that may encourage Trump to say because how are you right? Of course, he cares more about 2020 because it's him. He only right. cares about him. Yeah, Trump. So he doesn't care about anybody else. He doesn't care if you lose. You know, tough. I mean, who cares? Moving on. How do, how am I going to get? To a place where where I'm going to look the best, and I don't know what in his crazy calculus that looks like, but I'm curious about it. Well, and I also think we'd be remiss if we don't talk about North Korea here. Yeah, sure. I think an enormously, in my view, an enormously positive development for for Trump and for the Republicans, and I think it's going to. 
the um, approval numbers will will bear that out. If you look at the, this is tailor made for his anti mainstream media narrative. If you look at the, look at the headlines, I mean it's kind of ridiculous. All the headlines and all the major, in the New York Times and the Washington Post, they're they're super negative. If the electorate had well. The polling was very favorable towards sitting down with the North Koreans. Seventy-one percent of the country favored a dialogue. Yet, the reaction from Democrats and the reaction from the mainstream media is is very negative, I, which is crazy. And I think that's going to really backfire on folks and really go to Trump's advantage and go to the Republicans' advantage. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm always interested, Mark, in the in the and I again we have to look at these race by race because you you have to get you have to get granular to understand what it is that voters in in West Virginia care about versus voters in in Pennsylvania uh, well that's a terrible example since they were right next to each other Just come up with another one Blake. they're next to each other um, but they're different yeah no 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 I, I know that but it, it anyway point is especially the role that foreign affairs plays in in these elections and and what that really looks like i i i will i i I think to howard's point i mean i i think there the north korea dialogue is something the country wanted at the same time be careful what you wish for i just think there's i think it is a sign of the times and it is all attributable to the guy who got himself elected president It's a sign of the times that each of the three of us has taken both sides of every argument here. Howard's telling me that the Senate can go Democratic, but that Trump is on the rise and Republicans are in the ascendancy. I'm sitting here saying the opposite, (laughs) even though I'm rooting for that result. Blake has even been driven out of the moderator's role and is a because Mark, here. at the end of the day, it's we a all very know. confusing timing. That's the point. Well, yes, so, and we know it's a very narrow slice of the electorate that's yep. going to make these decisions, that's, right? Yep. Just like it was a very narrow slice yeah. of the electorate that yep. got Donald Trump elected president and, of the United States, and that's exactly the point I was going to make. I, it, when you deconstruct many of these races, Mm -hmm. certainly when you deconstruct the House, when you deconstruct a lot of the gubernatorial races, it is a, so much of the electorate is locked down. None of this is moving the needle with so much of the electorate. I believe that something we have talked about in here before is still, at least through noon, I don't know what's happened since then, going to be determinative and that is the fact that suburban women in many of these races while in favor of diplomacy and dialogue and foreign affairs are still extremely intensely motivated by this president and to a degree this administration's attitude towards women and there are many, many strong women candidates, an historic number, not just at the House level, which we've talked about, mm-hmm. gubernatorial elections, yeah. state legislatures. And I, I, I don't believe 
Korea or the economy or anything that has happened yet has overcome that that dynamic. Yeah, maybe so, but I think you have to look at something like North Korea. It's I mean, it, you're talking about the number one the issue that Barack Obama said was the most significant foreign policy challenge for this country, and maybe it's incremental progress, but it's highly symbolic. Very significant, I think it's very significant. And it's something, not only is it Trump making headway on a challenge that Barack Obama said was that significant, but I think the electorate can also look at this and say, there is no way, there is no way that that would have happened under Barack Obama, and there's no way that it would have happened under Hillary Clinton. But my point is that... And I, I, I think it can sway it, that... It, well, then I have to come back and ask you to tell me one more time how the Democrats can potentially okay. You want me to take, flip take the Senate? But our listeners are now thoroughly confused about, about what we really think it. about this Senate map. So yeah. this is good. This yeah. is this is great. Uh, I don't believe that voters in Delaware County, Pennsylvania are going to wake up on election day and say, you know what Trump did with North Korea, by the way, that will have been five months in the rearview mirror then, that was so important, I feel so much safer, I'm voting for Lou Barletta. That, that's my point, that's our point right. in all these calls. Right. Candidates matter, all politics is local, I share your view honestly of what was done politically with the summit meeting i don't believe the world is that much safer for it although i'm all in I'm an Obama it's not guy. mark it's not it's not whether you show up and pull the lever for lou Bar barletta it's whether you show up at all well it's that person in the middle who may or may not go vote but who may or may not vote who may vote D or may vote R, whether that person actually goes and votes. And I think something like a North Korea can impact that. But they still have to it, choose. It can impact the intensity factor. So, well, maybe. Maybe. You don't have to choose. That's, well, you don't have to well, choose a candidate. You can for one or the other. I think, it damp I think it has the potential to dampen some of the Democratic intensity that you talked about earlier. Oh, I, I thoroughly disagree. Finally, we found something to thoroughly disagree okay. on. That thoroughly North disagree. Korea is not going to dampen democratic intensity, one molecule. It may. It may increase Republican enthusiasm. It may. And and that's relevant. I mean, it's the same difference, obviously. It depends what slice of the... But, Democrats but, are not all created... But let's look at I it. Mean, it's, my, my view is that politically I'm not talking the substance of the non of the fake agreement reached in Singapore politically sure Trump helped himself there, there's there's no question let's let's see what the world looks like tomorrow Mark it's never going to impact the, the people who strongly disapprove of Trump and it's not going to impact the people that strongly approve of Trump but it does have the potential to impact those that are 
in the more in the middle. Well, and that, I, so, I, it's, so, it's in the mix. So, so who wins Tennessee? So who wins Arizona? So who wins? Well, I, I think what I, I think to to sort of kind of round out this this joust here. Um, I think the one thing that that we have to be mindful of is we know there's a correlation between voters' attitudes on the economy and <clears throat> and performance. We know there's a correlation between the president's approval rating and voter performance. I think, and we'll just have to see what, when, when kind of the dust settles with North Korea, if Trump would maybe just stop talking for a little bit, people would, would understand this a little bit better. But point being, if he can, if he inches up, if he's, if his yeah. trend line is good, then, then perhaps it, to your point, it's not a voting issue, Mark, but it does have some relationship to to Republicans kind of coming back home and saying, look, we need to kind of reinforce. I mean, Republicans get in line. I mean, they, 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 they're, they're much better at that than, than the Democrats. Um, but it, it, it's interesting. So I, I do well, want. For, for sure, if turnout is equalized, then Republicans are picking up seats. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's no, for no question. For sure, if turnout is equalized, the House is a toss uh, Yeah, for right. The generic right. ballot. Right. Um, well, look, I mean, a lot to discuss here. I think we, we've got um, our next call is on the 24th. Um, so I think we'll, we'll, have, a, we'll have a good, we'll, we'll have an interesting sense of, of kind of where I think we're going to have to start making some decisions about uh, we being, we being the, the collective, the, all the campaign groups, um, about where they're going to, where they're really going to prioritize their resources. Um, I, I thought it would be good for our listeners, too, Mark. You, you've mentioned this on, on a couple of calls. I mean, we have a lot of gubernatorial races um, coming up in, in 2018, which are going to have an impact on these other races, because depending on how, how strong those candidates are. You talked about the relationship of the Virginia Senate race to – did I get wrong? Is it June 26th? Sorry, my bad. Um, that's we were all going to our calendar. Yeah, right. Exactly. No, G twenty six. So, so I think we'll. Yeah, our fact checker is yeah. uh, is, is good. So, yeah, right. So, so I thought that, that for for our listeners on our next call, we would we would get into some of those races and then kind of lay begin to lay these maps on top of each other um, because I I don't think you can consider it's very difficult to consider one race on its own when you have. Lots of other dynamics at play in some of these states, so we'll get into that as as always. Um, for our listeners, comments, questions, criticisms of the moderator, presidential analysis at cozen.com. If you have specific races that you're you're interested in or would like to to hear about from us, we're certainly more than happy to discuss them. So so let us know. Um, in the meantime, uh, we're we'll be back on on the 26th, um, and so um, Mark Howard. Thank you. Great to be with you as as always. Thanks, Blake. And thanks, thanks to everybody for listening.